Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Pittsburgh Steeler fans, hello, my friends. It's time once again for the Steelers Retro Show. Yes, it's time to go back in time to yesteryear. Tony Defio and myself, we get a chance to watch these games every single week and pass them along to you. It usually corresponds to the opponent that the Pittsburgh Steelers are playing at the time with the Pittsburgh Steelers playing the Buffalo Bills in week 14. Let's talk about a great game in Steelers Bills history. But first, I've got to welcome my good friend, Tony Defio, who's always my co-pilot as we jump in that DeLorean and go back in time. Tony D, what is up, my friend? What's going on, Brian? Uh, I am doing fantastic, and I can't wait to talk about this game. What a, what a, uh, what a memorable game in the early days of uh, Bill Cowher and those Blitzburg Pittsburgh Steelers. The Buffalo Bills were in the middle of their four-year AFC championship streak, they were a tough team, and they had some great players. Tony, who were some of those players that graced the Buffalo Bills at that time? East Brady's own Jim Kelly. He was a he's a Hall of Famer. Thurman Thomas, who I didn't realize how how I mean I realized I, I you don't appreciate what kind of career he had. Andre Reed, Bruce Smith, Daryl Talley, just a, a great cast of characters, and that, that to help them make it to four straight Super Bowls, it was quite an accomplishment. You had guys like Cornelius Bennett on that team too. And let's not forget the coach, Marv Levy. He, uh, I believe he won a championship in that the CFL. He also coached the Kansas City Chiefs early on too, but he became a Hall of Famer for his coaching days as the head man of the Buffalo Bills. So this is a very special game because the Steelers, really, they had so much trouble with this team and could never seem to beat them. It happened in the playoffs the year before as the Steelers were trounced, I believe it was 24 to three 
in the divisional game at Three Rivers Stadium. They also lost in 1992 in Buffalo. They lost in 91. They lost in 90. They lost in 88. They could not beat those Buffalo Bills. Then comes the 1993 team with guys like Rod Woodson on defense. You had Kevin Green, Greg Lloyd, LaVon Kirkland, on that defense, Carnell Lake was there. DJ Johnson was there. You had Joel Steed on offense. Neil O'Donnell was an efficient, good quarterback for this team. Barry Foster was there. Ernie Mills and Jeff Graham were playing on this team. Dermonte Dawson was your center, and he had a pretty good offensive line, all led by Bill Cower, his second season as the Pittsburgh Steelers head man. And well, I know he played for the Eagles and the Browns. Was he from Ohio or something? Or maybe he was from North Carolina because he went to North Carolina State. I don't know where he was from. He was from Crafton, PA, where I live right now. The uh, the pride of Crafton. He has, a, he has a street named after him now. The second most famous man to ever come from Crafton, with the first being one, Tony Defio. I would love to go on Tony Defio Boulevard. I'm still <laughs> waiting for that to happen. Same here. Same here. But someday. <laughs> yeah, someday. So the Bills coming into this game, Tony, they were seven and one. The Steelers were five and three at the time and fighting for the division in the AFC Central. And this is a time that we're going to go back to. We're going to go back to November 15th, 1993. It's a time when the number one movie at the box office was The Three Musketeers. The number one song is actually one of my uh, one of my favorites. I love me some meatloaf. You like meatloaf? I'm not just talking about the dish, Tony. Uh, uh, yeah, he had, a, he had a pretty good run at that time. Yeah, I, I, was a, I was a pretty good fan of his back then. And Jim Steinem penned this song called I Would Do Anything for Love, But I Won't Do That. And I got to tell you, that was an 11-minute masterpiece at the time. And also, on that date in history, the world was just coming off of a partial eclipse of the sun, a solar eclipse. I have never seen one of those. Well, they, we had one back in 2017, and I, I tried to look at it, but I or not look at it, but I tried to experience it, and I, I, I saw nothing. I, I experienced nothing, so I was pretty disappointed. But let's get into this game, Tony. It was a special one from 1993, once again, November 15th, as Gary Anderson... A former Buffalo Bill, remember in 1982, the Buffalo Bills cut him at the end of training camp. The Steelers picked him up and this was his 12th season as a Pittsburgh Steelers. He kicked the ball off to start the game and out came a guy that you mentioned from East Brady, Jim Kelly, making only his second ever appearance at Three River Stadium since his day as not a Miami Hurricane, but as a Houston Gambler. Remember the Houston Gamblers of the USFL? I did. The year that Dan Marino led the NFL and with 48 touchdowns, Jim Kelly was leading the USFL in touchdown passes. It was a it was a great year for a former Pittsburgh quarterbacks. And I was a big fan of the Pittsburgh Maulers. I watched those games. I still have my original Pittsburgh Mauler t-shirt, but I digress. So here comes the Steelers defense too. The defense without nose tackle Joel Steed in this game. They were tasked with trying to stop the dynamic Thurman Thomas, as you mentioned to him before. He was great, Tony. He was one of the league's best rushers at the time, and it was all number 34 in the first four plays for this team. After moving the chains, Kelly went deep to Don Beebe. That's another fun name. He was blanketed by DJ Johnson. And then back to Thomas, who was covered by the rookie Chad Brown. They had to punt. So the Steelers take the ball for the very first time. 
in this ball game on Monday Night Football, as I failed to mention. Yes, it was so great to go back and get a chance to listen to a younger Al Michaels, who I think Al Michaels is one of my favorites of all time. Uh, the late Frank Gifford was in there and Dan Deardorff, who was pretty good in that trio as well. They were hosting this game. I bet you, you enjoyed that yourself. Oh, I, I love those guys. I, I was a big fan of Frank Gifford. I, I just, I loved his uh, very uh, matter of fact delivery. And of course, Al Michaels is one of the best ever. So Neil O'Donnell and the Steelers offense comes on the field on second down. One of the best rushing attacks in the league as the Pittsburgh Steelers reeled off six against the 21st ranked Bills against the run with Barry Foster running the ball. Then O'Donnell started spreading it out. He had completions to guys like Jeff Graham, Dwight Stone, Leroy Thompson, Ernie Mills, Barry Foster, and Eric Green. That is seven different receivers in the first series, Tony. They were really spreading it around. It was a fun offense to watch. With the Steelers at the Bills 28, Foster suffered an ankle injury and exited the game. What happened to Barry Foster? He pulled up lame. I, I, it was a very big injury for the Steelers at that time because he was their, he was their uh, meal ticket on the ground. He really was. And so just like that, you're like, man, you lose one of the best rushers in the NFL and you have to bring in third-year man from Penn State, Leroy Thompson. Tell you what, Leroy Thompson was pretty special in this game as well. What he did right away, the third down back came in, turned a two-yard loss into a 10-yard touchdown. It was a scoring drive that lasted an entire 81 yards and 15 plays. It was pretty nice. Yeah, it was it was a, it was a great drive all around, and 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 it was a spectacular cutback uh, move by Thompson on it for this for this uh, touchdown. And and I'll say this: I've I've watched a lot of these games for this show, you know, over the past few months. And this was the first time, even though I knew the outcome of the game, I clapped my hands like wow, I was so I was so impressed with uh, Thompson's run on the, on the on this play. It was it was really spectacular. It was a he was a great backup. Yeah, he really was. I got to tell you, I enjoyed it as well. The Steelers led 7-0 with 5.36 left in the first quarter, Tony. So let's go ahead to having the Bills take over the ball. And they did so at the 17. They came out to try to even the score against a very tough defense, as we said. Not only a tough defense, but another sellout raucous crowd at Three Rivers Stadium. It looked as if they would with Thomas and Kelly riding for uh, consecutive first downs with their legs. But Rod Woodson and Greg Lloyd, they broke up passes to force Buffalo's second punt of the game. Then on first down, nose tackle Jeff Wright sacked Neil O'Donnell for a 17-yard loss. But the Steelers, they came back. They countered with a 24-yard run by Merrill Hodge behind the blocking of the great John Jackson. That's a guy that was so valuable for the Steelers back then, Tony. The Steelers also targeted all-pro Bruce Smith on the play, and they were able to move the chains. Pittsburgh continued to move the ball. How important was it to get Merrill Hodge involved as well? He was, it was very important. He was, a, he was a great veteran for them. And, and, and this was a great, a great way at following the sack to, on O'Donnell to, to mix it up and, and, and catch the, the Bills flat-footed. And, it was, and as you said, it was a great block by John Jackson, who was a very underrated all-time stealer. Yeah, they were looking for more, and then there was a, but there was another punt because there was another sack. This time, Phil Hansen nailed O'Donnell and took him to the ground. After penalties derailed the next series, the Steelers took to the field again. Rod Woodson, he was returning punts back then, and he was absolutely incredible. Okay. He moved the ball around the 50-yard line, 
and then the Steelers were moving the ball well with Leroy Thompson again, but the drive stopped on the 20 yard line and in comes Gary Anderson for a 37 yard field goal attempt. Tony, did he make it? He sure did. And it was 10, nothing. And he was, he was one of their, their more valuable offensive players for them throughout his career. He was a very uh, dependable kicker for his time. He absolutely was Gary Anderson. I mean, he is not going to go in the stat book as uh, you know, the greatest in Steelers history because of his percentage was lower, but a lot of the percentages were low back then, not like they are today, but Gary Anderson was absolute money for this team and always got the kicks when they needed them. He had a big game on this date in 1993. The defense continued to dominate with another three and out and disaster almost struck as DJ Johnson hurtled the ball after the punt Rod Woodson wasn't able to tell him to get out of the way, and he almost kicked it away. The Bills thought that they had recovered the ball, but it was never touched by DJ. He narrowly avoided it. It was an athletic play. The Bills looked like they would stop Pittsburgh, but O'Donnell, he caught fire. He found Eric Green for a big first down over the middle. The drive did fail, though, and the Bills looked to have another chance with 317 left in the first half, but Mark Royals pinned the Bills way down at the six-yard line, courtesy of Tim Jordan stopping the ball. That was one of their tight ends at the time. Then Kenny Davidson tipped the ball away on second down. Carnell Lake knocked the ball away from Pete Metzelars on third down. And the Steelers had the ball back at their own 42 with 2.01 left in the half. But they went three and out, and they had to punt. So, Tony, from the 18, Kelly came out throwing, but harassment by Kevin Green and Darren Perry – Looked to halt the Bills again. Then Kelly connected on the big ball here. A big pass, 51 yards, where Rod Woodson bit on the play. He got turned around. Andre Reed pulled it in, another Hall of Famer there. It looked like the Bills would score right before the half. But Kenny Davidson, a guy we mentioned before, he sacked Jim Kelly right afterwards to knock Buffalo out of field goal range. Marv Levy, for some reason, did not take the time out. Jim Kelly was looking disoriented, and the half ended with the Steelers up 10 to nothing. Tony, that's not bad. The Steelers dodged a bullet because it looked like it was going to be 10 to 7 and half. And with a high-scoring Buffalo team, that could have really changed the course of this game. That was a very big play at that point in the game, and 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 it gave the Steelers confidence going into halftime. I mean, you're, you're, this is your longtime tormentor have, have a 10, nothing lead at the break. That was, that was, uh, that was huge. Yes. And we will find out what will happen in the second half, but let's have our own halftime. We're going to be back right after this on the Steelers retro show. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. 
Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did to create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Welcome back, fans, to BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. My name is Brian Anthony Davis. Alongside me is Tony Defio. We are so thrilled to go back in time to November 15th, 1993, for a fantastic game between the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Buffalo Bills. You know what? I'm going to say it. Fantastic if you wear black and gold in your fandom and you're twirling a terrible towel, Tony. Absolutely. Absolutely. It, it was It was. It was a great, I, I always cherish these years, always. I, and, and this was kind of like the start of this for the Steelers. This was a, a very big hurdle they had to get over, uh, take on and, and beat this uh, AFC perennial powerhouse at the time. So the Steelers get the ball back to start the second half. The momentum was there. Leroy Thompson rumbled for 15 yards to start things off. A few plays later, O'Donnell and Dwight Stone hooked up for a 20-yard pickup. Then Ernie Mills gained another 19 on reverse, and the Steelers were looking to score again. This is where Dan Deerdorf came in and made a comment. He was actually lamenting the fact that the Steelers were not going to Eric Green as much. Mm -hmm. He said right there, he's like, man, I just wish they would go to him more. He is such a huge target. This is a situation where they're just, I mean, they're winning the ball game but they're not taking advantage of this huge weapon. And he was a big man, wasn't he, Tony? He certainly was. I, I've said many times, I, I thought he was uh, ahead of his time as far as tight ends. He was, he was gronk, gronk before Gronk, years before Gronk. He was big, fast. Uh, you couldn't cover him with a linebacker or, or a defensive back. He was a very special weapon for them. Absolutely. I would have loved to have seen him one more year on that 1995 team. That would have been a very dangerous offense if he was there as well. And somebody must have heard what Dan Deerdorf was saying. Somebody was tuned into the ABC Teleclast on WTAE Channel 4, I would think. Because you know what happened next, Tony? They found Eric Green. They certainly did. A 15-yard dart to make it first and goal. And I guess they weren't done. They're like, hey, if Dan's telling us we've got to go to Eric Green, let's go to Eric Green again. Yeah, uh, they, this time they broke out the, the play-action uh, pass, something a lot, of, a lot of Steelers want Big Ben to do in 2020, and, and, and just like that, it was 17-0 to, uh, to Eric Green. A, a one-yard touchdown to Eric Green to make it 17-0. One of the prettiest one-yard touchdowns you're going to see. So with 9.35 left in the third, you are correct, Tony. The Steelers led the Buffalo Bills 17-0. They look to be rolling. Was there any doubt in your mind they were, they were going to hold on? Or were you worried because you knew what Jim Kelly, Thurman Thomas, Andre Reed, and the Buffalo Bills, you knew what they could do? Oh, I was, I was always a little, a little worried at that, at that time because these were the big, bad Bills. And, and as we've, we've said, they, they've, they had their problems against them. And, and if any team could overcome a 17-0 lead, the Bills could. They certainly overcame a lot more than that a, a year earlier in the playoffs uh, when they came back from a 35-3 uh, deficit against the Oilers in the wildcard round. So yeah, I wasn't, I, I wasn't feeling uh, t- totally comfortable just yet. Yeah. Cause once again, you know what Jim Kelly could do. And you talked about that 35 to three game against the Oilers. You know, this is really going off track, but you know who called that game on the Buffalo bills network for I, the bills. I certainly do. One Greg Brown, the Pittsburgh pirates play by play, play by play man since 1994, I believe. Yeah, how about that? That's something that I learned recently. I thought that was really cool. But 
you know, so we talk about that game and Frank Reich was the quarterback in that game because Jim Kelly was was out. And lo and behold, nobody knew this at the time, but Al Michaels broke in and let everybody know that matters were about to get worse for the Buffalo Bills. Not only were they down 17-0, they were down Jim Kelly because Kelly suffered a concussion on that Kenny Davidson sack at the end of the half. Remember I said he was disoriented? Well, that's why he was. Nobody knew he had a concussion at that time. He would not come back. But the master of the comeback, Frank Reich, was in the game. He did it just a year before in the playoffs, like you mentioned. He did it in 1984 with the Maryland Terrapins, down huge to the Miami Hurricanes, and he came back then. So this is a guy that knows how to come back, Tony. Was he going to come back in this game? Well, I certainly I certainly hope not, but if, if there was ever a backup quarterback in, in the league at the time to do it, it would be Frank Reich. So here comes Frank. He comes in right away. He completed a short pass to Andre Reed. And matters got even worse as Andre Reed had an apparent hand injury and was down on the turf for a while. It turned out to be a wrist injury that did not hamper him for the whole season, but it affected him the rest of this game, Tony. Yeah, yeah, he, he was he was a valuable weapon for them, but, but he was he was a little bit too injured to, to 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 be effective in this game. So a punt would follow, and after another completion for the Steelers to Eric Green, and after a fake draw, Adrian Cooper caught a huge pass. That's the other tight end. The backup tight end was huge. He was huge for the Steelers. He got a 37-yard gain. And the Steelers were moving the chains again, Tony. Yeah, Adrian Cooper, speaking of uh, long-lost uh, Steelers uh, from the past, uh, Adrian Cooper was a very, uh, a- a- along the same lines as an Eric Green, a very athletic tight end for them who, who had some, some, a few good years from them in the early 90s. Absolutely. But the problem was they could not really capitalize on that. A sack, a big sack. Marvicus, not Marcus, Marvicus. I always had trouble with that name. His name was Marv Cuss. Marv Cuss Patton gave the Steelers a third and 17. And here comes O'Donnell. He went back to pass. And Oliver Barnett knocked Neil on his wallet. And Neil could not follow through with the ball. And he throws an interception to Mark Kelso. And it was a big interception for the Bills. They've got a chance to come back, Tony. But something happened here. Good old Oliver Barnett. On the, he, he hit Neil O'Donnell a little bit, little bit too late, and he was called for roughing the passer, and the Steelers had new life. Yep, it's negated. Now it's first and 10 at the 10 for the Steelers. What a break. Thompson would get the ball down to the one-yard line, and they had a decision to make. And the decision here was you can go for it on fourth and one, or you could take the points. You're up 17 to nothing. Tony, what were you hoping that they were going to do it in this position? Well, at that point, I'm thinking, you know, this is before the two-point conversion was a thing in the NFL. So I'm thinking you, you take the points because the way their defense was playing at that time and, and Jim Kelly's out, even though Frank Reich had, had a great, great reputation for comebacks, I think the safer bet would have been to take the three. It really was, and that's what they decided to do. It's a 19-yard field goal. No problem for Gary Anderson. There's 2.23 left in the third quarter. The Steelers led the game 20 to nothing. Were you satisfied at this point 
did you feel like they were going to win this game, Tony? I was really starting to feel comfortable at this point because you're almost through the third quarter and now you're up by basically three touchdowns. I was feeling pretty good. But it's the big bad Bills and you never know what they're going to do. So on the very first play after that in the next series, Frank Wright goes back to pass. Kevin Green sacks him. It was Kevin Green's first year for the Steelers. The Steelers' defense was dominating. How much of a boost did Kevin Green give this defense? It was a very big boost. At that time, this was at the, uh, at the beginning stages of, of, of true free agency. For, so for the Steelers to sign a, a, a veteran like him, a, a guy who, who spent almost a decade with the Rams and was productive, that was a, a very big thing. And it helped create Quiver and Quake with him and Greg Lloyd. So it made for a great... Uh, outside linebacker pair in the NFL at that time. Indeed it did. Things got a little chippy though. Greg Lloyd got nailed with a late hit and he had the personal foul to go along with it. So the bills are moving the ball. Then going back to pass is Frank Reich. He throws the ball downfield for a long gain into the hands of shorthanded Don Beebe on the sidelines. It's a gorgeous catch. Then out of nowhere comes who Tony? Gary Jones and his, his one claim to fame. This hit it was a it was a it was a perfect hit. I think even for today it might it might have stood up. It, it was it was a, a great hit, and, and and the fact that Don Beebe held on to the ball was was maybe even more impressive. It was a clean hit. It was it, it was textbook, and I got to tell you, it would have held up today. They would have not flagged him because Don Beebe's were feet were down inside the playing field. Um, he was not out of bounds and he just got tattooed and it was a beautiful hit. If you have a chance to YouTube this or go back and watch this game on McMillan and wife, whatever you have to do, it is a gorgeous hit. And even Al Michaels, Frank Gifford, Dan Deardorff, they were saying, yeah, that was clean. There's nothing that uh, you can throw a penalty at them. And they did not. Um, it was a huge catch. Luckily Don Beebe got up, but I was worried for his safety, Tony, weren't you? Absolutely. And this guy had a, he had a couple of uh, shots like that during his career. So it was, uh, it was, it was nice to see him get up and walk off the field. And in this play, it could have been a, a turning point for the bills. It really was going to be a turning point. And it looked like the bills were going to find their way back in this game. The comeback kid, Frank Reich was going to do it. But on the very next play, Kevin green cracks Thurman Thomas, the ball's loose. He recovers the fumble. There you go. Crisis averted. Steelers get the ball back, and it's still twenty to nothing, my friend. Yeah, that was big. I think I think by that point, uh, it's lights out for the Bills after after BB making that catch and 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 creating some momentum for the for Buffalo and for the very next play for this fumble to, to to happen. I think that was pretty much it for the Bills. It really was pretty much it. We can talk about a couple more sacks. Uh, Kenny Davison had another sack here. Donald Evans had a sack. Um, O'Donnell had some uh, great passes to Jeff Graham. Merrill Hodge comes in the game. He's running wild. Leroy Thompson gets over 100 yards for the Steelers in relief. It was his second 100-yard game. He had a very good season in 1993, as you would not see Barry Foster the rest of the year. Um, he had troubles with an ankle, but the running, the legs of Leroy Thompson got them to the playoffs as well. The Steelers ended up winning this game, so it was a special night. The terrible towels were flying. Everybody was having fun. The Steelers tacked on another field goal. It was 23 to nothing. 
and that's how the game ended. The Bills fell to 7-2, and two, and the Steelers were in first place in their division, Tony. What are your memories of this game, Tony? Because it felt good to me. It felt really good. And my biggest memory, it was an NFL Films uh, highlight of Greg Lloyd. You know Greg Lloyd, he, uh, the meanest man in football. He was walking out the field and he was saying, they're going to say the Bills were injured in this game, and that's why they lost. But the bottom line is the Bills got their bleeps kicked tonight, and that's my favorite memory from that game. You know what? He was one of those guys that you can call one bad apple. He was tough. He was mean. But I met him, and he was a sweet guy. I was in an autograph signing where I helped work along with uh, the promoter at the time. And it was there, and I was with my nephew as a fan. I uh, went up, and I had him sign for my nephew. The promoter introduced me to him, and I said hello. And uh, I was uh, was standing outside uh, a little bit later. And he comes walking out with his honorage. Everybody's running up to him. Greg, 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 Greg. And he looks over to me, goes, hey, man. (laughs) That's great. I'm like, hey, Greg Lloyd, what's going on? (laughs) I mean, he's like, hey, you having fun, man? I'm like, yeah. I mean, like, he's singling me out because I wasn't bugging him. But he he was a super nice dude. I'll never forget him for the T-shirt. And I want this T-shirt. You can get it for me for Christmas if you want to, Tony. I wasn't hired for my disposition. Yeah, oh, that's a that's a that's, that's what I was I was trying that's the quote I was trying to think of. Yeah, that's that's a great great quote, and that's that uh, uh, personifies Greg Lloyd uh, perfectly. Yeah, I don't look nearly as tough as him, but I would rock that T-shirt. But <laughs> I got to tell you, Tony, this was a fun game for me. I was working in Top Forty Radio at the time, and I had an opportunity. Um, for some, the radio station I worked for at the time was called Power 92. And we had these things called power parties where I would show up at a restaurant or a, uh, a pub and I would invite people to come down for specials. It was, it was a remote broadcast. And so I was asked to, to work that night and do that, but it was easy. All I had to do was uh, eat wings, drink soda or drink beer if I wanted to. And, uh, you know, just call in and talk about the game. But I took my dad with me. And my dad and I sat at this establishment, sitting there with the de- my dad, going, telling him at the beginning of the de- game, they're playing Buffalo. I don't know if they're going to win. He's like, son, this team is going to surprise you. And they did. And they won that game 23-0. It was a, just a great memory for me. So thank you so much, Tony, for checking out this game with me. It's so awesome to go back to yesteryear. And I'm glad to do it with you, my friend. Oh, yeah. This was, this was kind of a, a, a huge statement win for them in the early stages of, uh, of Bill Cowher's uh, tenure here and, and coming one season after losing to Buffalo in the playoffs, this was a huge moment for them. And I got to tell you, the best part of this job is watching these old games. And next week we get to watch an even better game, a special one from 1982, right before the player strike Steelers and Bengals. I can't wait to talk about that one with you, Tony. I've already started that game and it's, it's a dandy. Oh, it's, 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 it's great. It's one of my, my favorites from the uh, early years. Cause I, I couldn't stand the Bengals in those days. So not that I can stand them now. So it was, it was, this was a very, very memorable game for me. If you get a chance to watch old games, I check them out. Tony checks, checks them out on McMillan and wife.com. It's, it's a pretty go- cool channel um, that you could check out on, uh, on YouTube. So that's really cool. But I got to tell you, Tony, thanks so much. I love going back to yesteryear. Let's hope the Steelers make some more memories in 2020 that years from now, the new Tony and the new bad are talking about a game just like this, Tony. I sure, I sure hope so. The Steelers have some, uh, 
have an opportunity to do that this year. And, and, and I hope there are a couple, couple guys or, or a couple women who are talking about some magic moment from 2020, 20 years from now. Brianna and Antoinette will be talking about this years <laughs> from now. So with <laughs> for Tony Duffio, my name is Brian Anthony Davis. You can call me bad. You can call him tone deaf. And remember, you can take me away. We don't mind. You just got to promise us we'll be back in time. Good night, my friends. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did to create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.